0: Hi there, I'm Sue Alves from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 153. And today we're going to be talking about writing. And I have a few other things as well that I'm going to be talking about with my daughter Imogen. Hello, Imogen. Thank you for having me back. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yes, episode 148, Our Writing Unrules for Unschoolers. That was the last time that we got together and talked for my podcast, wasn't it? Yes, and that was also about writing. So welcome to the long-awaited sequel. Yes, at that time we said that you were coming back and we were going to continue our discussion about writing. And really, I expected us to come back the following week and do that. Did you? Yes, so that was the plan, I think. (laughs) Yes, we were very enthusiastic. We ended the episode and we said we have a lot more things that we could talk about to do with writing. And I said you must return. What's happened? Why haven't you been on my podcast? That was, what, February? It was. (laughs) A long time ago. Well, this is my interpretation. My life around here has got a bit busy, hasn't it? just a little bit. I had this idea that you and Sophie and maybe even Charlotte could join me regularly on my podcast, give a new spark to all my episodes. And so I sat down and made a long list of things that we could talk about. But unfortunately, life didn't agree with my (laughs) plans. Yes, life has changed this year, hasn't it? We talked, what, February? And that was the beginning of the new school year for Dad, who's a school teacher. And I guess things get busy again after Christmas, after the Christmas break, don't they?
1: They do, yes.
0: And yes, everybody has been going here and there and everywhere on their own schedules. And I found it very difficult to pin you all down. <laughs> Can you help me with a podcast? And yeah, the number of times that we're all home together are very few these days aren't they? Unfortunately. So everybody has a different work schedule and I never know what's going to happen from one week to the other. Well, from one day to the other, because I keep forgetting who's home and when we even sometimes forget who's home for dinner. Don't we? (laughs) The poor person who doesn't get told that their dinner's ready. And then they come in about half an hour later, you didn't tell me it was going to be, it was dinner time. We didn't know you were here. We thought you were at work, yeah. I mean, it's getting a bit confusing, isn't it? Just a little bit. And I'm really quite sad about that because I am missing those long unschooling days when we had our freedom to plan our days as we liked. Now everybody has commitments, don't they? Unfortunately, yes. And how are you coping with those commitments because you're working now, or you were working when we talked earlier, but you seem to be working a little bit more than you used to.
1: Yes, a little bit more than I'm sort of comfortable with as well. It's um, difficult scheduling everything that I want to do around everything that I have to do, but it's been very good at the same time. Um, I like my work. I like the people I work with, so I don't mind doing it. It's just I have to be so much more organized now, and I miss being at home as much and being around everyone as much now. So tell everybody a little bit about your work, just in case people aren't familiar with,
0: with you and what you're doing.
1: So I work I work outside of the house as a waitress. Um, and then so I do that four to five days a week. And then in my free time, I'm a writer and author. And you have written what? Tell everybody. I have written so far one young adult fantasy novel, which I published last year. It's called The Crystal Tree.
0: And you're working on the sequel. Yes. And you also help me out, don't you? Oh, yes. So you've got plenty to do. (laughs) Always plenty to fill my time with, yes. Well, I didn't really introduce you at the beginning of this podcast, Imogen. I just assumed that everybody would know who you are. You're my, um, how many children are you? Number? Number four. Number four out of eight. Number four out of seven unschoolers, yes? Yes. And uh, you're a young adult. And you're obviously an author and working to support your passion. Is that that what you would say? Yes, that's right. So you work so that you have money, so that you can support yourself, so that you can do what you really love doing. Which is writing, yes. But in the meantime, you don't mind working in the cafe. It's it's, uh, a good job, nice people.
1: Oh, yes. And surprisingly, they are also very supportive of the fact that I write. My boss actually remembers that I'm a writer and... I saw her yesterday and she's like, and you're going to enjoy your next two days off. Um, you'll be doing a lot of writing, I'm sure. And I was like, yes, I'll be working on my book in my two days off. <laughs> so you've got two
0: days in a row off work. And this is unusual, especially as it's weekdays. And that's why I have nabbed you and said, hey, Imogen, how about we sit down and we record that podcast that we promised in February. So that's what we're doing, sitting in my closet. Yes. <laughs> you have know, tell everybody that I had to clean it up. Take Well, I didn't really clean it up, did I? I just removed all the boxes and put them in the bedroom, and now the bedroom's a mess. And our walking robe is rather spacious now it is you can fit two people two chairs and a table i'm I'm very impressed and we're surrounded by all our clothes but now the bedroom is cluttered with all these boxes of odds and ends (laughs) that um used to be in here and i'm gonna have to deal with that later but we won't worry about that now as it's a podcast you don't have to look at it no i was thinking (laughs) uh, we have uh, a light sitting at the end of my bed it's sophie's light that she uses for videos and she had it out for well, your interview with the Global Home and Schooling Summit, didn't she? Yes, that's right. And she was going to put it away. And I said, don't put that light away, Sophie, give it to me because I might make some videos. And so it's been sitting at the foot of my bed for mm, quite a few weeks now, hasn't it, waiting for me to do something with it. And as I was setting up for this uh, podcast – interview, well, it's not an interview, it's just us talking – I thought wouldn't it be good if we could record this as a video as well as a podcast and then put it on YouTube as well, but um, I haven't done that because it's rather messy in here. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much more setting up required it yes, um, yeah, so that's a sort of introduction to what we're going to be talking about well, an introduction into. Uh, what we have done, and we want to talk more about writing, don't we? Oh, we do. We have a couple of questions that people asked us way back in February. I wonder if they've given up on us, my <laughs> <laughs> I
1: hope that they do find this episode and get the answers to their questions.
0: And also, we, want, we talked last time about encouraging children to write, didn't we? We All did. about learning how to write and how children do that um, without formal instruction. Yes. The unschooling. Unwriting rules, I think I called it. Did I call it there? Anyway, and <laughs> uh, now we want to go on a bit further and talk about uh, how to improve our writing, how to encourage our children along the writing pathway. Yeah. Yes. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So, should we talk about that now, or should we talk about all those other little bits and pieces that we want to talk about? Why don't we start with a bit of news? A bit of news. Okay. Well, I already just mentioned a couple of minutes ago the Global Homeschooling Summit, and that's at the top of my list because that started just a few hours ago. It will run from June the 17th to June the 29th, I think. Is that right? I think so. Anyway, I'll put it in the show notes. That's, you know, that's the problem with me. I make a few notes, and I think I'm organized and then I always forget to write some particular detail down. And I say, I'll oh, put that in the show notes. So good job we have show notes. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So we're thinking about the global homeschooling summit because it has just begun. And I watched the first interview. Um, well, only an hour or so ago. I watched that this morning. And that was Pat Ferenga, who is closely associated with John Holt. He knew John Holt and he took over John Holt's work when John Holt died. And the interview runs for quite some time. I'm not sure, maybe just over an hour and a half. But it was very interesting. He had a lot of good things to say, as you would expect. From being associated with John Holt and continuing John Holt's work, and since we talked, Imogen, you have been interviewed for the Global Homeschooling Summit as well, haven't you?
1: Yes. I don't know why I'm up there with the top educators from around the world, but (laughs) for some reason, someone thinks that I have something important to add to it. So,
0: yes. So, um, yeah, I find that quite Uh, unusual as well. That.
1: Was it forty plus world class experts and me and us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously you're a world class expert in your field, mm. and I mean, well, we're on the same stage as people like Sir Ken Robinson, and there's me, and my one qualification is that an. I have been unschooled for almost my entire life, and that's pretty much my one recommendation. So, Well, I don't
0: think agree with that quite because you were interviewed with Sophie as well, and I think you're good examples of unschoolers, children who have been unschooled and are now adults. And you have some great things to say. You have opinions, you have thoughts, you can express yourself well. And I think that you have lots of interesting things to say. And I think that you are representative of unschooling. And I think that will give a lot of reassurance to parents who are wondering should we unschool or not? How do
1: unschoolers turn out? Yes, it's sort of the big question, isn't it, all the time? That it's fine to unschool when they're young, but are they going to really turn out right? They're going to ha- know everything that they're supposed to know, will be able to function later on. And I mean, we just sit there and go, "Well, yes, you can. We've we've managed it, so there's not as much to worry about as people think there is." So I think it'll be an interesting addition to the lineup, just another. another point of view on it because you get the educators, you get the parents and then you get the people who have been through it and who have been the unschooling children. Yes I don't think we
0: that a one-sided view just from professional educators is enough. They have a lot of good things to say but people need to hear about um, unschooling in practice don't they from people who are actually doing it. That understand all the ins and outs and yes young adults who have come through un- unschooling and that's not quite right is it you're still unschoolers
1: it is a lifelong thing but <laughs> yes we have come through the formal schooling years which are the ones that everyone is concerned, concerned about yeah
0: yeah so as you said Sir Ken Robinson is speaking as well. Yeah, he's one of my education heroes. I've read a number of his books and obviously I've watched the TED talks and he is so inspiring. And that talk is going to be wonderful. And that's the one that the summit
1: will close with on whatever day it was. The 29th or some, some day to round then. I know it's a Saturday, Saturday week, I think, <laughs> <laughs> because we're
0: recording this on what what what's the date today? I think it's the eighteenth. The eighteenth. And because we're in Australia and we're a little bit ahead in time, the summit has only just begun for us. It it's the seventeenth elsewhere in the world, isn't it?
1: Gotta love time travel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it's the eighteenth for us and the summit started overnight. When I woke up this morning, it had begun and I had a notification email telling me about the speakers who are available to listen to or to watch today. And Pat Ferenga was uh, he's set us all off, as well as John Holt. and as I just said, John Holt is no longer alive. But I think he's such a great inspiration. He has he's got a number, well, he wrote a number of books that you can't have a homeschooling, unschooling summit without mentioning John Holt. And the summit organizers have found an interview with John Holt. Obviously, it's very old, but it, I'm sure, will be very, very interesting. And I haven't
1: listened to that yet, but I will do. And if you are signed up for the um, summit and you're following along, I'd just like to say that Mum's interview is going live tomorrow. And if you're interested in mine, that's, I think, the third last day. So it'll be the 27th, probably, around then. The Thursday of the last week. So if if you'd like to hear our interviews, that's when you can see them. Yes, so mine
0: tomorrow, get mine over and done with.
1: <laughs> Gotta start with a bang. <laughs> that's very kind of you, Majin. Or get the, the worst out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it's the same principle as with concerts because I've done a lot of concerts. You open with your best pieces and you close with your best pieces. And everything else in the middle, it's obviously good. But you keep the best for the beginning and the end because people start out really well and, they, and you f- close out well and that's what people really remember. I leave them with a good taste. Oh, well, you're at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: we're just trying to make ourselves feel better about being amongst <laughs> all these world-class experts, aren't we, Imogen? I know. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your interview. You were interviewed by the same person who interviewed me, but I did mine first. You and Sophie uh, were interviewed together by Emily. Now tell me just a little bit about it, a taster for what people will hear when they actually sign in and follow the link and watch your interview
1: in a week or so. So our interview was all about the young, um, young person's experience unschooling. So we looked back at sort of, when we were teenagers, well, Sophie still is a teenager, but she's 18 and I'm 24. So we looked back a little bit and we focused on what it's like to be, you know, in your teens, sort of early to mid-teens, which is the time that everyone's worried about and they want to know, um, you know, what it's like going through there. So we talked about issues such as, you know, socialization or what does it look like to be an unschooled teenager? You know, what do our days look like? Um... You know, things, issues that people start to worry about, you know, like screen time, things like that. So we gave the young person's perspective um, and very practically talked about what it's like to be in there and what it looks like when you're unschooling as a teenager, which hopefully people will find helpful because unschooling teenagers, I think, is probably the hardest point because everyone's so worried about where you're going to go. You know, do you have the right skills? Are you going to be able to move out into the rest of the world as an adult and function properly? And hopefully the perspective we've given will um, prove to people that, yes, unschooling really works. Uh, We are capable and we are living as, well, highly functioning adults, hopefully.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I guess that when uh, kids get to the teenage years – parents might feel that suddenly homeschooling or unschooling has got very serious because the end, well, the end never happens, but the end of the formal schooling years suddenly seems so close, doesn't it?
1: And, and I think parents panic and think, well, I've got to make sure they're set up for everything. They've got to be ready for life. And I think one of the things I try to impress in that one from my perspective is that You can't set them up for everything. The world changes so quickly. What you think is important now is not going to be as important in five years. The jobs that people got prepared for when they were children are not the same jobs that they work now. And what's more important is to, you know, impart a love of learning and this idea that you're going to be learning throughout your life. And it's more important to know that than to have this, you know, perfect education from the school system. Well, I think you actually talked about some of the same things that I
0: talked about. Uh, When I finished watching Pat Ferenga's video this morning, there was a few options come up on the screen afterwards, and I could see my face there, and I clicked onto it, and there was a preview of my interview that will be live tomorrow, or on the the 18th, we got depending on where you are in the world. And it's uh, a one minute, 55 second clip from my interview. And I said similar things to that <laughs> during that. It was really strange seeing myself there. And I'm looking at it thinking, do I look all right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> do I sound all right? <laughs> I know. I, I am pretty much certain I'm just not going to watch my interview. Not because I don't think that it's going to be good, but there's just something so weird about watching yourself. And I think that other people will enjoy it much more than I will enjoy the experience.
0: I think that we're a harder too hard on ourselves yes we get uh yeah a bit worried about uh how what we've said and how other people would see us and did we could do a good enough job but one thing I did notice from that clip that I was watching that I wasn't really paying much attention to the camera I was more interested in what I was saying and I wasn't even looking you know, right, thinking, look, where, where, where do, on the screen do I have to look? I was in my own sort of little world thinking this is what I want to say and the <laughs> words were just flowing out anyway. So I hope there's enough of those moments in that that uh, the passion, that's the word, the passion for unschooling will come over. That's the most important thing because I think when we're passionate about something, we have no trouble whatsoever talking about it, do we? No. And that's how... Emily described yours and Sophie's interview because when you came back from uh, having the interview recorded, because you did that one evening and the rest of the family were busy doing something somewhere else and you re-emerged from your room and I said, how did the interview go? And Sophie said, Emily said, we're very passionate. (laughs) So I think that's a good sign. Yes. When we're passionate, we share what's in our, that we feel very strongly about. So that's really good. Well, I think we've talked enough about that. So we're hoping that everybody's signed up for their free ticket from for the Global Homeschooling Summit, because I think it's too late now to actually sign up. Uh, I got an email this morning. Well, I got, I think, three emails from the Global Homeschooling Summit. And one was the link to, one was the schedule, one was the link to today's interviews. And then a third email came through and it said, good news, we've realized that it's going to be very difficult for everybody to watch every uh, interview on their particular day within 24 hours because the interviews originally were, we were told that, t- t- that each interview would be free for 24 hours from the time of publishing. And now all the interviews are going to be free for the duration of the whole summit we've got the whole summit to listen to any of the interviews and then after the summit finishes they'll only be available if we buy a premium pass so does that sound did i explain that all right i think so okay so everybody go check your emails make sure you go and watch some of those interviews and if you're interested in ours tomorrow that's the first one yes that's mine tomorrow that's always assuming, Imogen, that I edit this really quickly and we get it up and out. It could be, it could have already happened by the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look for it. It's it, it the eighteenth of June. That's when it's going live.
1: All right. Next thing on our list, Imogen, we probably talk about your other big news, which is with your second book. Yes, Radical and School Love. We got the proof copy yesterday. Oh, it was, that was very exciting.
0: I didn't expect it till. uh, until next week because somebody had to forward it from a friend had to forward the book uh, from America to Australia for us because Amazon won't ship proof copies from America to Australia it's really very frustrating because you want to publish a book on Amazon and you need a proof copy in order to check it before it goes live you We had a few things we wanted to change last time, didn't we? We did. We needed the proof copy, but they won't ship the proof copies to Australia. So what do you do? You just publish it without a proof copy, hoping it looks all right. Or you find a kind friend like we did uh, and get the book sent to somebody in America. And yes, Vanessa came to our rescue once again and she posted that off to us but she only posted it off to us six days before it arrived and we know from experience that it can take up to two weeks for things to um, arrive from California but this time six days, I mean that was <laughs> remarkable, came through the door after dropping Gemma Rose off at work yesterday morning and you said to me, didn't you remember a parcel has arrived and I thought well what could that be, it must be something we've ordered. I I didn't even think about my book. And you showed me the thing. And I
1: just couldn't believe it. Radical and Unscore Love had arrived. And it looks so good. We haven't done the final check through the proof copy yet. But just from looking over it, it just looks so good. And it has page numbers. <laughs> it does. That was the first thing I checked. Whether it had page numbers on every page and whether the page numbers were matching up with the contents list. It's just one of my biggest fears that the page numbers are going to disappear again. Because
0: Formatting certain parts of it was not fun. Because when we got um, Curious Unschool as a proof copy, it didn't have any page numbers. <laughs> <did it? laughs> I have fixed that this time. <laughs> so that was um, essential that you have page numbers. And I was going to check the page numbers and I thought, hmm, there's no page numbers. So that was our first problem. We had to fix. But this one has page numbers and I just love the cover. Charlotte did the cover for us, didn't she? Yes. And Imogen suggested that we get it printed in matte rather than glossy. And, wow, that's just been such a wonderful decision. It feels
1: wonderful and looks wonderful, doesn't it? It does. There's something about a matte finish and, like, the feel of it that just feels so good in your hands. And it's coral pink,
0: and it matches the beautiful orange, doesn't it? Shall I tell everybody how I came up with the colours? Yes, you should. Well, I Goog- I was trying all sorts of colours uh, just playing around on Canva with different colors. And in the end, I thought, well, what do I do? What do I do? How do I know what's a good color? So I googled um, color trends for 2019. And I discovered that the color that is in trend at the moment is coral pink. And you, apparently you can buy lots of coral pink clothes and coral pink earbuds and coral pink whatever. And I thought, well, coral pink, that might be a good color for my book. So then I Googled cor- coral pink palettes and I came up with one and it had the orange on and the, the coral pink and a couple of other colors. And I thought, well, orange, Penguin uh, uses orange. So that's been successful for Penguin. I'll use orange as well for the first book for Curious Unschoolers, and we'll use the coral pink for um, Radical Unschool Love because pink and love, I thought. Is that a good
1: association? I should think so. And so the books match, don't they? They do. And it looks so nice to see the two books together now. The um, you know the completed duology. <laughs> until you want to add some more books,
0: <laughs> yes, <they laughs> I'm look... sure
1: that will happen in the future. <laughs> it just feels so wonderful to have the two books together, and they're both thick books, aren't they? Oh yes, you're getting your money's worth when you buy one. It's not it's not one of these thin pamphlet pamphlets with like 14 pages. You're looking at 400 page behemoths here,
0: and they're big books, um, nine by 11 inches, I think. The, yes, what's a big format? And, yeah, a, bit, a, a good read, hopefully. So that's uh, Radical unschool Love. So all I've got to do now is read that book through, check for any overlooked errors. I've been through it so many times, but, you know, always find one more. Check it through one more time, So, but it's almost there. We're, still, we're very close. So this book will be published within days, do you think? Hopefully, yes. We're not talking weeks. We're talking days. Yay. So, yeah. So that's Radical unschool Love. Now, the last piece of news is Charlotte's Shops. Now, Charlotte is 21. She's the next one down down from you. Yes. Yes. So it goes, well, Imogen, Charlotte, Sophie, and Gemma Rose is our youngest, who is 15. And Charlotte's 21, you're 24, Sophie's 18. And Charlotte's been working on her degree, uh, digital design, but she's almost at the end. But she's having a break for this semester. She hasn't had a break for a long time. And the other day, I think you all came back from the gym. That's your latest passion, (laughs) isn't it? Yes. And Sophie, in particular, has been been buying gym clothes. And I'm not sure exactly how the conversation went, but uh, somehow Charlotte and Sophie got to talking about designing uh, gym wear designing uh, t- getting t-shirts and then having images on them that were to do with the gym
1: is that about right yes that's right
0: and Charlotte's really good with all that being digital designer
1: she does all our book covers for us and they look amazing so so shell um sophie she said i would like to have an avatar
0: a female avatar that's squatting <laughs> <laughs> and so they sat down together with Photoshop and Charlotte played around and showed Sophie what she could do. And the suggestion was made, I don't know who by, that Charlotte start a red bubble shop and sell her designs on their
1: products. Have you got anything more to add to that, Imogen? Um, well, her designs, when, when she doesn't, they are just the cutest things. They, and we've um, actually got some of the products now. They've, they bought a couple of shirts and such with the little gym avatars on them, and they are just the cutest things. They both wore them to the gym this morning, and, yeah, they just look amazing. So if, but, you, if you're looking for, for nice, cute designs, you really, really want to check out Sophie's uh, – sh- sorry, Charlotte's stuff. <laughs>
0: and it's not just clothing, is it? They're on phone cases, mugs, bags –
1: Oh, oh, yeah, a whole range of things. That you can have these uh, gym avatars, but... Um, I'm sure we'll leave a link to that in the show notes if you'd like to go for and check that <laughs> out. But <laughs>
0: Charlotte's not just going to confine herself to gym, the gym theme. I think she's got ideas for doing other things as well. She's very good at design, isn't she?
1: Oh, yeah, she's very enthusiastic and very skilled, and they just look amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing what else she comes up with. So every day there's just, like, a new design, and we just wait for it to come out. And Charlotte's got a
0: instagram account now to promote her work do you know what it's called charlotte.elvis
1: maybe um it's either charlotte.elvis or charlotte underscore elvis we can leave a link for that in the notes as well if you'd like to check that out
0: her stories have been really good haven't they she's been showing the process of designing her uh avatars uh going through the process so that's been really interesting. And one last thing about that is I was watching Charlotte designing things for Sophie in the gym, and I said to Charlotte, you could design some products for my, for me. We'll have a, a Stories of non family shop. And so she's been putting uh, words
1: and little things. Um, just, you, you describe them, Imogen. Related merchandise. So like the um- – the the lovely little pictures from the book covers like from the first book it's a picture of a magnifying glass with eyes looking through it, and so it's those little images which um, cups and bags and things um, related uh, words or or things that we say a lot like the you know the catchphrase of of this podcast is trust respect and love unconditionally and that's just that's the basic unschooling motto um, so if you if you want to show that you're that you're an unschooler and proud we've pretty much got what you want <laughs> i think that the shop will be a good way of spreading the
0: unschooling message exactly promote unschooling show other people you know, people are going to read t-shirts i really love the pouches you know like um, yeah, zipped pouches that you can put pencils in or odds and ends uh yeah the, the words, what what's the other words we got um live radically love, love unconditionally, unconditionally. And was there another one? I think there was another one. Oh, are you a curious unscholar with a little magnifying glass with a little cute eyes in it? But yeah, we'll leave a link in the show notes for that as well. And if you actually buy something in our shops, not only will you be supporting unschooling, spreading the message, but
1: it would also put a smile on Charlotte's face, won't it? Yes, we hope you'll check it out. She would be so thrilled. Support an unscholar. I suppose we better move into the main topic now. I think that we've almost uh,
0: <laughs> run out of time and we haven't even got into the main topic.
1: You'll just have to have a bonus extra long episode. Oh, dear. People will be... Well, I haven't recorded a podcast for a month imagine and we got it all today. Yes, you just get it all in one. We'll be here for a while. We Settle could, in,
0: folks. Or, or divide it into two. So I've got something for next <laughs> week when I um, uh, sit down and think, what am I going to talk about? I thought, oh, well, I've got a double episode. Let's divide it. But we'll see how we go. Okay, we've had two questions, Imogen, from the writing podcast. So we'll start with those questions. We're getting on
1: to the writing now, the topic of the day. So the first question we have reads, I have been listening to your podcast on writing and it has been so helpful and encouraging. Both of my kids have a fantastic imagination and composition skills, but they have little interest in transcribing for themselves. I have been having them dictate stories to me for a number of years now. We have a story-filled life, but I confess I worry they will never be motivated to further their reading and transcribing skills. They are nine and 11. They both hate using their hands for writing. So I often go between not worrying and then spiraling my thoughts into anxiety about it. Thanks this particular podcast. In reference to the last writing podcast we did,
0: I believe. Which was episode 148. Okay, Majin, what's your first thoughts about that one?
1: Well, my first thoughts about that one is they're 9 and 11. So they're at an age where they're still, you know, they don't necessarily want to be independent yet. But in my experience, the older they get, the more independent they're going to want to be. They're not going to want to have to dictate their stories to a parent forever. Um, As soon as that starts to become restrictive, which it does as they just naturally get older, they're going to want to learn how to do it for themselves, especially if they really do have a story filled life. And you know, they love their stories. So when you've got
0: something to say, you're going to want to write it. You, you, nothing's going to stop you from sharing that.
1: Exactly. But their outlet now is dictating it, but that's not going to be what they're going to want to do forever. They, they will want to be independent.
0: Do you think it's a bit like reading? Uh, a child might be quite happy to be read to for a long time and then... It goes too slowly. The it parent does. isn't available as often as the child wants and then they pick up the book for themselves and they're off.
1: Yes. So b- because they're only nine and, 9 and 11, they're going to want to be more independent just in and of themselves. It'll, it's just a natural progression. Um, but if you want to encourage them to be more independent now, there are other ways of doing that as well. Um, I mean, they dictate to their mother now. But they could use a dictation software, so um, speech to text, which will allow them to still dictate it, but it takes out the step of someone else having to write it down. Um, so that might be a way of pushing them a little bit towards independence so that they're not always relying on having someone else do it for them if they're not Ready to write them, write it themselves. I used uh, a speech to text app while I was writing my books because
0: what I wanted to do was get some information off my podcast to turn them into stories. I didn't uh, publish, or I-, I wanted. I wrote the stories. I didn't do it word from word for the podcast, but I wanted the raw material from the podcast to turn into stories. Right? Yes, for the books. And I thought the easiest way to do it is to sit there and listen to the podcast and, as I'm listening, to say it out loud into an app that does speech-to-text. And then I had all the words, which then I played around with, had it all in front of me rather than just make notes.
1: Yes, and I've used um, speech-to-text as well in the past, mainly because I have problems with my hands sometimes, and which makes typing difficult. And at those times, I've switched to dictation because... When it's hard to write, speech-to-text works perfectly. So speech-to-text apps and software
0: is a thing that adults use a lot, isn't it? It's not like we're doing second best here.
1: No, it's, it's, it's a great way of getting stuff out quickly um, or just without having to type everything. So it's a great option if kids prefer to dictate and you just like them to be a little bit more independent with their stories or they want to do it themselves without having to involve another person. Yes, um, and then part of the question said also that they hate using their hands for writing, and it could be helpful to experiment with different um, ways of writing because they could write with a pencil or or they could write on a computer using a keyboard. Um, they could try using a touchscreen if that's you know if, if, if they prefer doing that because, a lot of children especially are actually very used to using touchscreens. It's, I mean, like for children in my dad's primary school, a lot of them are far more used to using touchscreens like phones and such than computer keyboards. And when they come up against a computer, it's like, oh, well, what do I do now? So finding some way that they might be more comfortable writing by themselves um even an old-fashioned typewriter might uh, attract some
0: writers. Yes, it's a novelty, isn't it? I remember all well, years ago we didn't have computers, but Duncan, who's our second child, he used to write a lot of stories on the typewriter. He just loved sitting down there and you hear the ding at the end and the, the carriage
1: whizzes across. It uh, is a fun way of writing, isn't it? Yeah, so finding um, a way of getting them to write it that they actually enjoy because if, if they like the process of writing it down, if you can find a way that they enjoy that, that might also encourage them to write a little bit more independently. And it's
0: not as if uh, pencil is a superior method of recording, is it?
1: No, and it's not like a computer keyboard is better than using a smartphone or a tablet. It's just whatever works to get words down and whatever they feel happy using. And they're all tools. Exactly. Okay. And I have a note here, Imogen, about audio files for
0: Evernote because I think what I was thinking about at the time when I wrote these notes was that some parents worry they don't have any writing to show uh, for their homeschooling records if they have a visitor come from the education department who would like to see what uh, their kids have been doing, what they're learning, and they have no written, um, you know, paper things. They don't even have anything on a screen to show them. But
1: you can record audio files. Yes, and those would be perfect just for putting in some records somewhere. Yes. So dictation, you can
0: turn those into files, attach them to your Evernote records... And
1: the authorised person from the education department can actually listen to them. And as a note to that, that's actually a method that's used by regular teachers as well um, for children who can't write very well or who have trouble with it. Is They will actually record them using audio or vi- or video. So it's actually a really good way of doing it. So
0: we heard, had some barking there, didn't we? <laughs> That was our dog, Quinn. Someone's come through the front door and she is telling us that there's somebody entering the house, which is useful at night, isn't it? Not very useful when you're doing a podcast. She doesn't understand. She's got to be quiet. All right. So do you think that question was answered, Imogen?
1: I think so. Okay. We have another one here. So the second question goes... I have an eight-year-old boy who is an avid, confident reader but cannot write, with um, due to motor skills and confidence. So, some suggestions on that. Okay. So, again, um, with the motor skills, it's it would be worth possibly investigating other ways of getting, you know, words out. If they find it very difficult to, for example, use a pencil, does typing work better? Does dictation work better? Um, just finding the way that's comfortable to get the words out for them if they have, especially because of motor skills problems. So the he's an avid reader. I think
0: that's a good sign because we were talking about how you start off as a reader and then you want to emulate your favourite authors. It gives you an incentive. You see the writing in use, don't you?
1: Yes, you read and then you write. The two are so linked. So
0: being an avid reader is a good sign there. Um now confidence. You were talking earlier about when we were discussing this podcast about
1: trust. Can you talk about that? Yes, yeah, so um a lot of people are not confident in their writing because they're afraid of what people are going to say when they read it. So they have, you know, they want to write something down, but then they have to share it, and that's incredibly scary and they're not always confident in their own abilities. And especially for children when they need to share writing, you know, as part of their schooling, Um, you need to be able to build up trust with your child so that they feel happy sharing their writing with you because writing is a really personal thing and a lot of people when, you know, someone shares writing, especially someone younger and they're doing it for, you know, it's got to go for their homeschooling records or something, you know, they'll want to Use it as a teachable moment, you know. This is good, but you could have done this. This is good, but you misspelled that word. And there's nothing that shatters someone's confidence confidence so quickly as when they bring out something that they've written and they're really proud of. And it's like, it's great, but that but just kills everything. So my suggestion is certainly to begin with, don't make them share their writing if they don't want to. Because they might want to experiment, they might want to write things, but not be ready to share them. There's certainly been a lot of things I've written, and nobody ever sees what I write when I, when I first write it, because, I mean, I've been writing quite a long time, and I still, I don't want people to see my first drafts, because I'm not confident in what I've written yet. I'm not confident enough to share it. So not making the child share their writing if they don't want to, but respecting the fact that they've written something and they would like to keep that to themselves. Um, and then when they're ready to share it, they will, because they will eventually want to share something, um, and if they're willing to share, be encouraging. And rather than, you know, that's great but... You know, just be really encouraging and point out what they're doing really well and what you actually like about it, and be specific, very specific. Because if you're just like, "Oh yeah, that's really great," um, but you don't, you know, you don't engage with it further than that, they can tell that you're not really looking at it, you're not really interested. Kids pick up on that really quickly, um, which I th- think is something people don't realize. And so, encourage what's good, and the rest comes naturally. The more they want to write. The better they will get. Their spelling improves by, you know, just writing a lot. I think we mentioned in our other writing podcast, um, that the more you write, you just naturally pick up a lot of the skills that you need for writing. And the most important thing is to get them writing and to help them gain confidence. And then if they need help later on, they'll, you know, you'll have their trust and they will come to you if they need something you know to help them get better because if they love writing and they do it a lot, they're gonna know when it's not good enough for them. You know the more they write, the more they want to write better.
0: So you don't need to tell a child you're gonna have to improve this. They will find that out for themselves. Yeah. They'll have that desire within them that they want to improve.
1: Yeah, you just keep encouraging them to write and write and and they just want to get better because if writing is something you love, You want to be the best you can at whatever you love.
0: What I think gets in the way of encouraging kids to write at their pace is homeschooling records and having to answer to educational authorities because writing is one of those things that is assessed. Uh, It's almost like if kids are good writers and you can present a nice piece of writing to anybody that's – judging your situation, whether it's the educational authority or whether it's other family members who are not sure about homeschooling, whatever, if you can present a nice piece of writing to them and say, look what my child is doing, it's impressive, isn't it? Mm. And it's the same with reading skills. If my child can read, that's a good sign that homeschooling is working. Maybe we're good homeschooling teachers if you think in that t- way because a lot of people do, th- outsiders, think in that way those words don't they yes and it can be hard to relax and let a child go at their own pace and really what it's doing is we're putting pressure well we we don't do it but um and I'm not saying every parent does but some parents might feel compelled to put pressure on their children to perform at a higher level than they're ready for
1: yes and, and again it comes down to trust the child trusts you with their writing but you've got to trust that they're moving at their own pace and that they're where they need to be at the moment rather than you know needing to push them to reach a, you know, a standard that you feel they should be at now, just you know, taking that step back and waiting. But I think that pushing is actually counterproductive. It is. The more you push, the less they want to write because it erodes their love of it.
0: And in some ways, I think that we have to stand up for our own kids and put them ahead of other people's expectations. If they're not at the level other people think they should be at, we have to say that's okay don't we? Yeah, they'll get there. They they'll will. get there and we'll have confidence and show that we are confident in our children and our children pick that up, don't they? Oh, yeah. So, okay. So do you think we've answered that one, Imogen? I hope we have. All right, let's get on and talk a, a little, just a little bit about how we can improve our writing and our, how we can help our children who want to improve their own writing. I'm not saying this is to push kids, but when they come and they say, you know, we, I want to
1: improve my writing. Yeah, I want to get better. Yes. Th- these are things that have helped specifically me in the past. Um, um, so I think they've
0: helped all of us oh, yes. at different stages. They're things that any age person can use, aren't they? Oh, yes. Because writing for us has been a real family thing. And we've all wanted to improve our writing right from Gemma Rose when she used to write when she was seven. Um, well, she was writing earlier, but...
1: That when was when I, she really started.
0: Yes. And she wanted to. A- uh, do what we we were doing. For example, she wanted to do Nanorimo, and that's one of the things we're going to be talking about. So, my first thing I got on my list, Imogen, is that if we want
1: to improve our writing, it's good to get together with other writers because that's inspiring, isn't it? It is. You learn so much from being with other writers and it also gives you a lot more confidence in yourself as a writer, and you're ready to. and you know it, it inspires you to do more for yourself. Um, I've been part of writing groups over goodness knows, like eight years or so now, for a very long time. And I've always found that I do more and I do better when I'm with other writers and I can talk to other people about what I'm doing. And, you know, if you want some help or some ideas, you can talk to other writers and get suggestions. Um, If you feel confident enough, you can share your writing with them and get feedback or just encouragement. There's nothing like having a community around you to really push you to improve and experiment more and have more confidence in yourself as a writer it's like it's sharing a passion isn't it it is it's much more
0: enjoyable when you're doing it with other people I mean you have your times where you don't want to write with anybody and writing is a solo thing but having that community there as well makes a huge difference it does okay so tell us some about some of the things you are connected with or you have been connected with
1: um so One of the big ones for younger people, especially, and if any young person is out looking for a good place to find community, is I would suggest the Go Teen Writers community, which is set up specifically for teenage writers, so you know, all the way from like 12, 13 um, up. So they have a blog which they share writing tips on, they've run writing competitions in the past. Um, It's a good place to find information if you're a writer, but there's also a really vibrant young writers community connected with it as well, Um, centered around the blog. And also on social media, if any of your young writers are on social media, they're on Instagram and specifically Facebook. They have a great Facebook group for young writers where you can share your writing, you can talk about The writing life—you can get encouragement, or ideas, or help, just anything you need, really. And they are—they are—they are are just the most inspiring young group of writers. And they're very active, and they're always very friendly. Um, and if if you—if you're—if you're specifically looking for a community to start out in, that's a really good one to get involved with.
0: Now you're 24, so you're not a teenager. Are you still involved in that group?
1: I am marginally. They they don't age you out because I joined obviously when I, was, when I was a teenager and they're not going to push you out just when you age out. Um, I naturally have moved away a little bit more because I'm at a different stage but I am still connected with them and I still find it very helpful and very inspiring to be part of that community at times. Age out. <laughs> That's well, a funny word. It makes it sound so old. It does and, it, and it's a very strange feeling because I just – didn't I didn't really notice the fact that I wasn't a teenager for quite a while <laughs> but you think because it's a teen writers group that when you stop being a teenager and some people have been concerned about this like well I'm not a teenager anymore should I be leaving the group and specifically they say no it's fine for you to be there you know if you've been a teen writer you can stay because you can add to what the team you, you know the community around the teen writers you're a little bit ahead and you've got experience that you can help with as well. That's a really good idea,
0: isn't it? So more to do with mentoring
1: the younger writers? Yes. So if you're above a teenage and you want to join now, you are very unlikely to be allowed to. But if you have been teenaged and you're getting a bit older, you still have something that you can add for everyone else. It's, you can give back to the community.
0: I mean, you also, you've been in the community as a teenager, so you know the ins and outs of how it all works yes. and everything. Okay, and there's also a book with that community, isn't there?
1: Yes, so the writer, the people behind Go Teen Writers have put out a book on writing for young people. Um, I think they released a new version of it, which I can't remember what it's called, but the old version was just called um, Go Teen Writers, and it'll be linked on their website, which is goteenwriters.com, I think. But we're put in the show notes as well. Yes, and I have a copy of it. And it's just a great resource for young writers, um, all about you know writing, editing, being a young writer. So if you're looking for a book, a book on writing for specifically for young people, it's an excellent one.
0: And I'm going to spell that out because with different accents, sometimes I can't pick up other people's accents, and <laughs> you say "go." What's "go"? You know. In just in case, it's G-O, as in like go and come, go teen writers, yes? Yes. Because when we say it quickly, maybe some people can't quite <laughs> uh, hear what we're saying. Because, um,
1: yeah. Yeah. So another big place, and this is where I found a lot of my writing community, is NanoRimo. We've all been involved in NaNoWriMo. Because I have even have. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Because I think I was the first one to join.
1: Yeah, so we all, I think we all started... Same year, but it 2011. was two thousand and eleven. That's that was the first year we did it.
0: Okay. All together. And, and you've done it every single year since then. And I've opted out the last few years. But I actually I think wrote three books through
1: NanoRimo. Yes. Um, and NanoRimo is just a great place to find other writers just all ages, um, all areas of interest. So, you know, if you're looking specifically for say people who write fantasy or science fiction and just people from around the world um NaNoWriMo I, can we go back a, a few sentences and maybe tell people what it's a funny word NanoRIMO, yes. what does it mean so NanoRIMO stands for National Novel Writing Month and it's a writing event held every November where writers from around the world um come together and each try to write a 50,000 word novel um across the month of November so 50,000 words in 30 days
0: and it's called National Novel Writing Month as far as I remember because yes. it began in America and it was national to America and then it spread throughout the world and they kept the same name.
1: Yes, it started back in, oh, very long time ago, like 1995 or something like that. I don't remember the exact date, but it was, you know, like 20 years ago or something. And, and, just, and it was like 20 people just decided we're going to try and write a novel in a month and they picked a book off the shelf and um, – you know, it was just an arbitrary book. And I was like, how many words are in this novel? 50,000? Okay, we're going to try and write 50,000 words in a month. And I think about three of them managed it in the first one. But it has just grown and grown since then. And there are hundreds of thousands of writers who participate every year.
0: And there are also thousands of books that have been published because of NaNoWriMo. Yes. And you wrote yours through Romo, didn't you? Yes, I did. And as I said, I wrote, um, I think, three books through it as well. And there's a Young Writers Program, isn't there?
1: Yes. So the Young Writers Program is connected with NaNoWriMo in that it's the same event. It's still run in November, but it's geared at young people. So you know, preteens, teenagers. Um, 13, I think you can move up to the NanoRiMo. Yes. So you have to be 13 years old to do or to, certainly to sign up to the main NaNoWriMo site um, but you can do the Young Writers Program. I think from pretty much any age. I know Gemma Rose started at seven, and the the great thing about the Young Writers Program is that unlike the adults' version, you can choose the target that you want to write for the month. So it's it's no limit for as few words as you want to write. I think one of Gemma Rose's first goals was like a thousand words in a month, and she, I mean, she smashed it. She was She was so proud of herself and now she can write, you know, (laughs) 200,000. Yeah, and and she makes it look easy. Um, But especially for young people, 50,000 words is a lot of words and having the Young Writers Program is a good place to start and they also have, you know, communities for young writers so they've got their own forums where you can go on and talk to other young writers um, in a very safe space. And connect with other people who also love writing.
0: And you can belong to those uh, groups or you can ignore them if you don't want the contact with other writers, can't you? Yes. It's not an an essential part of the whole thing. But if you want to write with other people and follow along and get some tips and encouragement along the way, there is that social aspect as well.
1: Yes. I think the first couple of years I did NaNoWriMo, I did that completely solo apart from Obviously, the community of family, and then a couple of years in, that was when I felt comfortable enough to go out and start talking to other writers, and it was really worthwhile. Okay, now my next uh, point is
0: Camp NanoRIMO. Explain the difference between Camp NanoRIMO and NanoRIMO.
1: So, Camp NanoRIMO is another version of NanoRIMO, run by the same people, but it's run in April and July, um, which it's and it's basically like the summer camp version. Um, it's more flexible, so you don't have to r- to write a 50,000-word novel in the month. In fact, you don't have to write a novel at all if you don't want to. Um, you can set your own target goal. So I think it's between – if if you're writing words, it's, it's somewhere between like 10,000 and 1 million words. And yes, I have known writers who have written over a million words in 30 days, and I don't know how they did it. And it's not me. Um, <laughs> and you're a prolific uh, writer as it is. So. Yes. <laughs> Um, but you can also do so you could you could write poetry or a screenplay if you want to do some other sort of writing you could edit novels I've done a lot of that in the past and you set a page count for how many pages you'd like to edit in a month rather than you know how many words you'd like to write and it's a lot more flexible and a lot less daunting because a lot of people put off NanoRimo, because 50,000 words is just so many words and basically you could do this and say well I want to do 30,000 words I want to do 20,000 words and just give your ease yourself in and, and give yourself a challenge without having to take on something that is just so daunting. So Camp NanoRimo, the next one
0: begins in a couple of weeks time. Yes
1: yeah, so 1st of July is when the next session starts.
0: So if anybody's interested in getting into NanoRimo, that's a good time to sign up and see what it's all about.
1: Yes, it's a great place to start if you've never done a NaNoWriMo before. And I suggest, because this worked for us, do it as a family. Oh, yes. F- family community is the b- just the best way to do it because then you're all in it and you're, and you're all encouraging or commiserating. You know exactly where everyone is. And it's if you don't have a community of outside writers... I mean, even if you do, just having people around you in your media area who, can, who you can talk to about things and are doing the same things as you are is just so motivating.
0: It is. It's really good fun when you do it together. But if you have a child who would like to do it but is a little bit apprehensive... Why not do it as well, you know, parents and children and support each other and learn about it together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you start in Camp NaNoWriMo, you can you can pick your own goal so that you're not having to, you, you know, you can do something that's manageable for you. All
0: right, Imogen, just before we leave NaNoWriMo, a couple of tips for people because I have noticed That a lot of people start NaNoWriMo and they have loads of enthusiasm. They're going to write a novel and give it their best and they're all excited. And by the end of the first week, they've given up.
1: Oh, yes. That's
0: That's a a very
1: common story, isn't it? That first week sees so many casualties. And it doesn't have to be that way, does it? No. Um, And from my experience, one of the biggest things that you should not do in NaNoWriMo is you should never edit what you're writing, ever. Ever. I mean, there are a lot of people who, they will write their first chapter and then they will go back and they will edit it and perfect it and then move on. And they, they find themselves unable to keep moving forward with their book without going, Oh, this is not right. I have to, I have to fix it first. That's not what NaNoWriMo is about. NaNoWriMo is about just getting the raw story out, getting the words on the page, because then you can go back and fix it. You can't fix what you haven't written.
0: So just imagine imagine this has, this has happened a number of times, right? You're writing away and you have an idea that you're starting with. You've got this idea and you're writing and then you maybe you've written a few thousand words and all of a sudden the idea becomes dull and you think, "Oh no, that idea wasn't very good. I've got a better idea." Now, A lot of people will go back and delete all that, right, all those words, and it might be a few thousand words, and they'll start again with a second idea. And then it gets to the same point, and they'll say, no, that one didn't work either. I'll delete
1: those and start again. Have you heard that? Yes, and you start from zero every time. No, please don't. So what you should do is... Yes, go on to the second
0: idea, but leave the first one behind, yes? Save all the words. You wrote those words in the month. They count. You get to keep those. But they also, they teach you something. You've written them. You've had practice with writing. You've gone through the thought process. Maybe you've decided that you don't want to continue, but it doesn't actually take away from the writing, does it?
1: Plus, you might find that once you've had a bit of a break from it, you've got a, a sudden burst of inspiration for that idea, and you come back to it. Nothing you've written is ever wasted, whether you come back to it or not.
0: It, this novel doesn't have to be one document that goes from start to finish perfectly, does it? No. You have lots of false, uh, go down false uh, pathways along the way and come back. and you just, you just experiment and you just keep going. Yeah, that's what it's all about. But I have discovered that if you keep on writing and you're not tempted to go back and edit and delete, which is the worst thing. Please don't delete. no. <laughs> All of a sudden, you get into your stride, your rhythm, and the words start to flow, and I get excited. I think, look, the first part was rubbish, but (laughs) just the fact of keeping your fingers on the keyboard or whatever, your pencil, keyboard's easier when you're doing NaNoWriMo, uh, all of a sudden, the thoughts start flowing. You've got to get
1: into it. It's like anything. You've got to warm up. Do you agree with that? Oh, yes. Um, I am a prolific uh, writer in NaNoWriMo. I have always written far more words than I need to. And every time, the first three to five days, I hate everything I have written. And I, I'm so tempted every time to go, this story is not working. I don't know how to write, but I keep going. And after those first opening days, suddenly I find my stride and I, and it's not, it may not be great writing. You know, I know my first drafts are pretty awful, but I find my stride and I, and I find my story and then I can go from there. And it's giving yourself the time to get through that messy beginning and get your mind into the writing zone. Because without that mess at the beginning, you'll never get into your zone. Exactly. So even though it's, it's bad writing, it's still writing. It and still it had counts. a purpose.
0: It, it got you to into that
1: zone. Yes. Exactly. So if it's, if it's really hard at the beginning and it looks really bad, and you're like, why am I doing this? Do, can I even write? A, yes, you can write. And B, this is just normal. So don't give up. Just keep on writing anything. Just
0: I've heard people say, just describe the room the character's in. Yes. Just say something
1: about the character. The more you write, the more likely you'll find your story. Give them an internal monologue of ten thousand words if you absolutely need it, because you can cut them all out later after the month has finished, please. <laughs> but it'll just keep you in the book, and you'll and you'll find where you're supposed to be again. And it's it, the object is not to have a perfect story at the end. The object is to write. The object is just to have a story, and then you can you got the basics, uh, the ingredients there. To edit it later and to make it into a proper story. Yes. And pro tip, write it in in November, edit it in Camp NaNoWriMo. <laughs> exactly. it's <what> I do. <laughs> and nobody, nobody in the world is going to write a perfect first draft. Well, I think Lee Child does, but I think he's the only one. People doing NaNoWriMo <laughs>
0: probably don't. <laughs> no, I'm pretty
1: sure Lee Child doesn't do NaNoWriMo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then again, he said so much practice, he probably knows the formula for, for writing his stories. It gets easier with practice, doesn't it? Yes. No one's expecting you to write a perfect No, either. no. And nobody is ever going to read it. No, you don't have to share it with anyone. Even when for your word count, you have to, I think, don't you have to enter it, uh, copy it, and
1: then enter it into some... Into the website. They have their own word count validator. So you just copy all the text you've written, paste it in, and then the website will count, will count the words for you and say, yes, you've written enough. And then your novel is deleted off off there. It doesn't keep a copy. Nobody ever sees it. Your writing is perfectly safe. They don't want to keep all thousands and thousands of horrible first drafts. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody needs to read, you know, those 500 million words that people have written. So your writing is safe. This first draft is your eyes only. Feel free. Just keep going. And then when
0: you get to 50,000 words at the end of the month, it's such a wonderful feeling, isn't it? It is.
1: The, the feeling of actually validating going, yes, I won is just so good.
0: Wonderful! So that's worth all the hard work. It is. All right, Gemma Jen. That's so. We've talked about coteen writers and we've talked about nanorimo. Let's talk about blogging next. Now, oh, years ago, probably nine years ago, we all started blogging. From Gemma Rose, who's seven, has that worked for Yes, she might be even six because nine years ago she's fifteen. It was between. It, it was between, between six and seven. Yeah, roughly that age, and it's roughly nine
1: years, but. I started a blog, and you all f- didn't you? We we tend to do that. One person has a good idea, and everyone else jumps on the bandwagon, <laughs> <laughs> which is good because then you can share it.
0: Yes, but blogging is a good way to inc- uh, to improve your writing. Oh, absolutely! It's out there in public, so you've got a certain
1: standard you want to do. You want, isn't, do you think? Yes. So writing um, writing for a blog is great because a it's short. You don't have to commit to writing big things and it makes you finish like you have to finish with the with whatever you're writing it's got to go out there so you want to finish it to a good standard which means that you've actually got to work on it but doesn't have to be perfect no and you actually have to say yes this is done because then because a lot of people will write and they will just work on one thing forever because it's not perfect and they won't share it unless it's perfect it's never going to be perfect there is no published book out there that is absolutely perfect Um, So what it forces you to do is just say, this is finished. I'm ready to share this. And then it makes you move on because the more different things you write, the better you get. And the two things about blogging which are good
0: um, are, it's real work. Yes. So you feel like, I can remember the younger girls saying once, well, what's the point? Not that we've done it, but what would be the point of doing writing exercises? Yes. Because you just, mum looks at them. Shoves them in a folder, done. But what's the purpose
1: of it? Blogging has a purpose, doesn't it? It's real work. And you're sharing it with people and it's, it's not just mindless practice for no reason.
0: Yes, you learn as you're doing it, aren't you? Yes, and if you do things for a reason, you remember better. And the other thing is that you can... Again, meet up with other writers because of the blogging community.
1: Yes, and the blogging community has been great. It's been one of the big communities that got me going with writing. So you write your own blogs, You can read other people's blogs, leave comments, and they're very supportive and encouraging.
0: Okay, so blogging. Um, you can blog on Blogger for free without ads, I think, and that's where we started. I'm on WordPress now. You're on WordPress, aren't we? We've got our self-hosted blog, so we're in more control than we used
1: to be. But for just starting out, I would recommend a blogger blog. Yeah, blogger blogs are very easy to set up and run. Um, You can also do a free blog on WordPress, but they do put their own ads on it, which um, you, you it's a bit uh, frustrating. You don't know what ads are going to come up. Yes. So personally, if you've never blogged before, I would recommend Blogger because it's simple, it's ad-free, and it's just – It's just the easiest one to use if you're going to just start out. And if you become a serious writer, I would suggest a self-hosted WordPress blog
0: like we've got because you have more control.
1: Yeah, and and you can move your entire blog over to self-hosting without losing anything. So it's always an option for much later down the track when you're ready.
0: That's right. You can move between platforms, but yes. And um, to have a blog, I think you've got to be 13 to get a Google account, but... Ah, uh, you can have a blog for your, a child under a parent's name. Mm. We did that for a long time. Yes, Gemma Rose had a blog, but I was the account holder for her. Yeah.
1: Yes, that's right. So anybody can blog, though I know some people don't actually put the right details in their Google account. Yeah, please don't do that. We do we do not recommend lying about your details.
0: No, because <laughs> say uh, oh, it was years ago. Uh, Google started cracking down on people who were signed up who were under 13. And they actually deleted a number of young people's blogs because they weren't old enough. And we actually copied and pasted all Gemma Rose's blog into another blog under my name so she wouldn't lose all her work. But they didn't actually delete her blog, but they did it for a number of young people. I think, you know, things change in their policies and she was allowed to sign up. She didn't do it illegally, but they changed the rules. Yes. So anyway, the rule is you have to be thirteen. Okay,
1: finding your voice, imagine. Finding your voice um, in writing. Uh, well, blogging is a great place to do that because you're you're writing a lot and you're honing your your own voice, and just in general, you just write a lot and you find what you like to write. Um, you experiment you a good a good thing to do is find books that you like to read and that you really like the voice of and you know just experiment and see what they're doing that you like. But be- also be yourself. Oh yes. Um but don't don't be afraid to experiment and see, you know, what what things do you like writing about, how do you like writing what attracts you to books, you know, and just doing lots of doing lots of experimentation and then just writing a lot and not worrying about it because the more you write, the more you find your own style and your own voice, um, which is it's all to do with how you write and what you write. And you'll figure that out as you just, Right. So you would say that it's quite a right to copy
0: somebody else's writing that you like to start with. Uh, you, know, you could do your own version of your favourite fantasy novels that sort of thing but gradually over time you will develop your own style and your own voice but that's not going to be where you stay.
1: No um, and emulating other writers is a great way to learn what they're doing and how it works but you're never going to stay there. Um, at one point in my writing I was very attracted to the books of Rick Ryden he has he he really nails just this funny um likable young teenage voice and it was so humorous and i and i really wanted to write like that um and i copied that for quite a while just trying to figure out you know how do i make this sound like you know what he does and i don't write like that now um you know, I, I emulated him and I picked up some things from what he did and then I moved on because... You wanted to be you. Exactly. You I, get confidence, I guess. You just find out what they're doing and then you incorporate that into whatever you want to do next. Emulation is a great way to learn, but you're never going to be satisfied staying there. Um, so you'll copy for a bit, but you will find your own your own stride and you'll, you'll pick up bits from other people, but it, it will become you. Even when you, we're not writing fiction... Just say
0: we have a personal blog. I still think that we need to find our own voice, even when we're being ourselves. And a lot of people start blogs and they'll do a few blog posts and give up because they say, it sounds silly. Mm. It doesn't sound like the blogs I like. I, I, I'm self-conscious. I i don't like the way I'm sounding. And they might delete it all and say, well, that was, I can't do this. Mm. But the thing way to do it is, as you said, just keep on writing, isn't it? Yeah.
1: You, you grow confidence, you find out what you like to do, how you like to sound, but you only do that by writing. You don't have it. It's, it's not something that people naturally know. It's something you've got to learn. So if you're not comfortable at the beginning, that's okay. It's normal. You just it persevere. Just, yeah, please persevere and keep trying because you will find your own voice. And then one
0: day all those uh, early posts will get buried under the pile of good stuff. Yeah. And you can actually go back and delete them once you've got a good sele- selection of posts there anyway, can't, can't you? Yes, if you ab-
1: if you absolutely can't stand to have them there. But
0: I think people don't even notice. We are more critical of our own work. Oh, yeah. Other people don't even notice that your voice is a bit off. We're just not feeling comfortable ourselves. Yes, Okay, we're going to finish up now, Imogen, with uh, some more resources. Uh, some writing books, if people want to get a book and – because we've used books, haven't we? Yes. Not courses as such, like uh, – well, certainly not textbook writing, how to write an essay, how to write, um, you know, the nov- uh, the novel that they would do, say, in school – that step by yes, step no no we've but there are a number of good uh, writing books written by authors do you think that have no have, have crafted not from educators but actual people who are passionate about writing and want to share their skills with a greater audience
1: yes um, so the books that I, and when I recommend them these are ones that I have used myself because I wanted to improve my own skills and I was looking for resources that would help me for that um so the first one would be the Goateen Writer's Book. That uh, we talked about earlier. Yes, that we mentioned earlier. And then Any Writing Resource Books by the author James Scott Bell. He is – so he, he writes um, resource books for people who want to improve their writing skills, but he is also an author. I think he writes legal thrillers, but I haven't read any of those, but he knows what he's talking about. He's not an ed- just an educator. Um, two of the ones that he's written that I found particularly helpful are plot and structure and also revision and self editing for publication, which taught me so much about editing my own work. Um and it's specifically geared at people who want to edit their own work, not people, you know, who want to go out and hire an edit an editor to help them, which I found particularly helpful. I think we ought to come back another day, Imogen, and talk about self-publishing books. Yes, that's that's we were actually saying last night that that's a very unschooling way of doing things, because you're taking all the control yourself and learning all the skills yourself, and
0: you're not uh, relying on other people. When people say no, you can't publish this, we know we can,
1: and yes. we want to do it
0: our way. But we, I think that's a good topic for another writing. Uh, podcast imagine because children can publish their own books as well we know a number of children who have gone along that pathway now um that's the only ones in our list there but we have other writing books don't we like if you have lots of different authors have written writing books like
1: stephen king yes stephen king's on writing is one of the most recommended writing books out there i have read some of it and it's, it's less of a how-to craft book and more illustrates the journey of a writer. And like, memoir? T- yes. It's, it's memoir and it teaches you a lot about being a writer. And his journey is actually very interesting. He's such a big writer now, but you see where he's come from. And it's just so inspiring to read that. And another really good one that I very much enjoyed was Anne Lamotte's Bird by Bird. And that, it again. It's not one hundred percent craft, you know. This, you, you know, the sort of book like this is how you craft a plot. This is how you edit. But it is again part memoir, part book on writing, and it is just the most lovely thing. Now, some of these books, Imogen, might be beyond uh, young writers.
0: Yeah, yes. there might be at, at a higher level. But what we have done in the past is that I've read. Books like these, and extracted some of the interesting things, and scaled it down so that we can have a discussion and try some things
1: out ourselves. Yes, yes, like Stephen King's On Writing is a great book, but for very young writers, I would not recommend it. <laughs> no, but do you remember when we did writing uh,
0: some workshops together, our own little workshops? Uh, you've, I think, in my book um, Curious Unschoolers, there's a chapter, well, a section about reading and writing, and there's one particular story called A Passion for Writing, and in it I describe how, I think it was you, imagine, came to me and said, do you remember, Mum, how you did some writing with the older kids a few years ago? So that would have been, I don't know who who at the time. Probably, boys, yeah, the boys, maybe Felicity. And what I'd done was I'd gone to the library and browsed the shelves and come home with a writing book, and I'd read it, and then we sat down together and we worked our way through not methodically through it, not from beginning to end. We looked for interesting bits, didn't we?
1: Things that that sort of stood out to us that we really wanted to try. So I uh, suggested
0: some areas that we could work on, like active verbs or describing smells. That's one of the things that uh, caught my attention. I said, what would you like to do? And I was reading some of the things
1: out from the books. And we had a go at some of those things, didn't we? Yes. And sharing writing in that way is a great way to sort of pick up specific things as well. And why that worked was you
0: initiated it. You wanted to improve your writing, and you thought, I would like to do something like this as a family, and we all did it. I did it as well. Then yes. We, and we shared our writing as much as we wanted, and it wasn't critical. It was all encouraging, wasn't it?
1: Yes, and it was it, it, it was just one of those things where you could trust people weren't just going to tear it apart and go, well, this is bad and this is why, you know, like you like you might get in – um, you know, a, a, a formal lesson. I mean, I'm not saying that teachers would go would just go, this is bad, but you're not going to have... They put a,
0: lots of red marks on.
1: They do. And we didn't have a red pen for what we wrote. It was you wrote something and then you shared it and then maybe we discussed what we liked about it or what worked particularly well, but it was... You know, it was encouraging, and it was a positive. Um, it was a positive thing that we were sharing, and it
0: was a volunteer thing.
1: Yes, didn't have to do it. Didn't have to do the exercises, but we're all so
0: passionate about writing, and we wanted to improve our skills. And you can learn a lot from other people. Yes, just, just be, so that's one thing that I have done twice, haven't I, with the older ones, and I did it again with you and Charlotte, and probably Sophie. Right, um, writing podcasts.
1: Uh, Yes, we didn't have a lot on our list as specific recommendations, mostly because the writing podcasts I listen to are much more sort of publication heavy because I'm at the stage where, you know, I'm doing this as, uh, as an author and I'm trying to follow a career path for that. But one of the ones that I would recommend for writers of all levels is called Writing Excuses. And it's their short podcast episodes. I don't think they go for more than fifteen minutes, um, by well-known authors. Um, for example, the well-known fantasy author Brandon Sanderson. Um, he is one of the regular hosts of that. And they just break writing down into bite-sized pieces of information and you know resources. They have a, a little writing exercise at the end if you'd like to try out some of the things that they talk about. And it's a really good place to start if you're looking for a podcast to listen to um, to help you improve your writing skills. But there are so many podcasts out there aimed at all different um, levels of writer. So pretty much if you just Google and and have a listen to a couple and find something that works for you. One thing I liked about their writing
0: excuses, one of their seasons takes you from the, uh, the idea for a novel, right through to the end of the novel, editing it. So the whole season is
1: step by step working on a novel. Yes, um, and they actually often have a season theme. So if you go to their website, you can browse the pre- all the previous seasons and find what, and find episodes that particularly call to you, or listen to the, like the entire season on how to write a novel. Um, which is it's it's great just to be able to browse through and find something. That you're interested in at the moment
0: and sometimes the homework or the exercises at the end they are quite appealing I've actually think thought I'd like to do that for example there was one uh, exercise that you took a piece of conversations it prepared a dialogue that you had already written and you swapped your characters around and so this person said this, and the second person said this in reply. But then to swap the characters around and then change the dialogue so that it said the same words, but in the style of the other person.
1: Yes, a really good really good way of learning how to make your characters sound distinct. That's right. How they wouldn't all use the same words,
0: even if they were going to say the same thing. Yes. So that was, yeah, I, I liked that idea very much. I can see that that even though they had homework, were it, uh, it's you can take it or you can leave it but some of the things they come up with are very interesting. Yes. It's not just like let's punctuate this sentence that's not the sort of homework it is. No,
1: it's it's very creative and it's very appealing so that's also a really good place to start if you're looking for um, something to specifically practice. Okay then. And my very last sentence on my notes,
0: Imogen, is writing as a family. So I think that probably will sum us up today that if we want writers in our children to be writers,
1: it's very good to write ourselves. Yes, create a culture of writing where writing is normal and accepted and encouraged. That's right, exactly the same uh,
0: advice that everybody says about reading. If you want readers, you have to read. Yes. Make it a normal part of life. This is what we do, we write. Yes? Yes. But if people aren't writers...
1: That's okay too. Not everyone is going to be a prolific writer. People, children, will learn all the writing skills they need won't they at the time when they need them yeah. if if they're not where you think they should be that's okay they will get there and not every, everybody is going to be a creative writer not everybody wants
0: to write non fiction um, that's quite all right, as long as we have the skills that we need. Yes. Okay, then. I think we all should wrap that up. Imogen, I don't know how long we've been speaking, but a long time. <laughs> it's been really good fun talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining me in my walk-in robe. <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting me back. In my little office here, <laughs> my recording studio. And let's just
1: round up where people can find us. What about you, Imogen? Um, So I can be found on my website, which is ImogenElvis.com. I'm also on Instagram. Um, What's the handle? (laughs) I'm under write, rewrite, read. Um, I'm on Twitter under Imogen Elvis. And I'm on YouTube under Imogen Elvis as well.
0: Okay, then and people can find me on my blog, Stories of an Un- Unschooling Family. That's just storiesofanunschoolingfamily.com. Instagram, Stories of an Unschooling Family. YouTube, Sue Elvis. Not that I've made any visit- videos recently. I just find, Imogen, you know, there's no matter of time. There's not the time to do everything you want to do. And having lots of different platforms, I produce content for one platform at a time. And it's almost impossible to keep up with everything. Yes. That's probably why I've had a break from podcasting, because I have been writing a few, a few blog posts and getting my book finished. But yes, we'll have to get back into the swing of podcasting again, won't we? Yes.
1: Anything else? We're, I'm not anywhere else, am I? I think that's the main places people can find you. And on the Global Homeschooling Summit. And on Amazon. Oh, Amazon, of course. Please please don't forget. We're both on Amazon. Imogen, your book? My book is called The Crystal Tree, and you'll find it under Imogen Elvis. And my books, well, the one that's up there right at the moment is Curious Unschoolers. And
0: the second part of the unschooling story, Radical Unschool Love, you might find that up in a week or so. Yes. Yeah, so not out yet, but coming very soon. Very, very soon. <laughs> um, Yeah. And let's just finish off by asking people if they enjoy our podcast or if they enjoy reading our books. We would very much appreciate some reviews, wouldn't we? Yes. Reviews uh, for iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Reviews on Amazon for our books, because it will help spread the word about our work and also unschooling. There we go. Well, thank you, Imogen, for joining me here today. And we'd just like to wish everybody a very happy unschooling week. Uh, We hope you have some fantastic adventures until we speak again, which I am hoping will be next week, but you (laughs) never know. I've become a little bit inconsistent, haven't I? But I've been very busy at the same time. So until next time, Imogen, oh, did we thank everybody for listening? Well, thank you so much for listening. And if you've got any questions, any comments, uh, anything, want to talk about anything that we've spoken about today, either go over to Instagram or our blogs. So until next time, Imogen. Trust, respect, and love
1: unconditionally.